Take your Bibles, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. It's in the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians. Second Corinthians is right after 1st Corinthians, Brother Scott. There's no third. This isn't 1st, 2nd, 3rd John. All right. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, by the way, that brother Scott, not that brother Scott, sorry. <laughs> you knew which one, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, we all knew. 2 Corinthians, <laughs> he can't get past one. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, we're going to read the first four verses together. We'll read them responsively. I'll read verse 1, you join me on verse 2, and we'll alternate to verse 4 that way. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 1 through 4. Would to God you could bear with me a little in my folly, and indeed bear with me. For I am jealous over you with a godly jealousy, for I have espoused you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. But I fear, lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. For if he that cometh preacheth another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or if we receive another spirit, which ye have not received, or another gospel, which ye have not accepted, ye might well bear with him. And let's pray. Father, thank you for the word of God. Lord, thank you that the words of God are as pure and as true and as right and as exact in the King James Bible for the English-speaking people as it was the day you gave it to man. Lord, these are your words. They're not our words. They're not my words. They're your words. And I pray that as we open your word and we preach your word today that you would help your people. Give us the truth that we need today. Lord, Jesus stands before you and represents me to take care of my sin. Allow me to have the Holy Spirit to represent you to help your people today, please. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. We humans, and i if you'll listen to me for just the opening five minutes especially, if you miss what I'm about to say here, you're going to miss the whole truth today. We humans have a way of making life complicated some reason people think if it's complicated it's intelligent if it's complicated it's best uh if it's not complicated it's no good we humans have a way of making things more difficult than it really is uh man has tried to show how smart he is by trying to complicate everything the wheel is the simplest of tools. It is the simplest of machines. But it may be the most basic machine in the entire universe. But it's also the most valuable. It's just a simple wheel. But you have probably used a dozen or more wheels before you ever got to church today. You think of how many things a wheel is involved in. Not just your car, not the van. I'm talking about the wash machine, the dryer, the watch that you wear if it's not digital. Uh, just so many things. Uh, the computers. There's so many gears and things that are, as all a gear is, is a wheel. Uh, people don't understand how many different things that a wheel is used for in life. The ball bearings and the bearings that things go on and help things run smoothly. And I could go on and on and on and on and on. Uh, just a simple wheel. Uh, may I say something? How many times have you heard the statement, don't try to reinvent the wheel? Uh, you can make the wheel oblong, but it's not going to work. You can make it square. It's really not going to work. 
The wheel is the simplest of all things, and yet it's used in everything almost. God does not make things complicated. Man, in his own religion and in his own mind, has tried to complicate things. Man wants to be his own God. And man wants to tell God how God must accept man. That's called religion. Man wants to show how smart he is over his fellow man, so if he can confuse him to make him think that he's smarter than the other man, then he could be God. We try to complicate things so that we can become God ourselves. Now watch this. Man's way to heaven will never work. I don't care how hard we try, man cannot get himself to heaven on his own merit. For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Look how many people complicate religion. I'm going to show you something in the scripture today. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse number 3. I read this a few weeks ago and started working on this sermon, and I just shouted. But I fear, lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve. Now look at me. Who is the serpent that beguiled Eve? There's the devil, Satan. Huh. So God's talking about how the devil beguiled Eve. How did he do it? Look at the next part of the verse. Through his subtlety. So your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. The word corrupt means death. means the breaking down of. You put a body in the grave and it begins to corrupt, begins to break down, begins to fall apart. God says that sin breaks down the simplicity of Christ. May I say it from a different angle? Sin causes us to complicate that which Christ made simple. God does not make things complicated. The devil does. Sin complicates life. Uh, God tells us that there is simplicity in Christ. In other words, the simple life is living God's way. Living by the world, the sin, the flesh, and the devil is the hard life. Now, I didn't say it. God did. Let me read a verse to you out of Proverbs chapter 13, verse number 15. Good understanding giveth favor, but the way of the transgressor is hard. Oh, you just need to live it up. You Christians, do you don't know what you're missing. <laughs> well, I happen to think the way the world lives, they don't know what they're missing. I didn't wake up with a hangover today. I didn't wake up wondering who I was with last night. I didn't wake up more in debt. I didn't wake up doing, having to regret anything. And they think their life is simpler than mine. There is a simplicity in Christ. And the devil wants to complicate your life. I wish you could sit on my side of the desk or at my end of the telephone helping people whose life is wrecked and ruined and they thought their whole life was simple. And they say to me almost all the time, that sounds too simple. Can I tell you something? It is. It's real easy. Oh, preacher, it's just hard to live the Christian life. Preacher, it's just so hard. Well, you're believing the devil then. 
Can I tell you why it's hard to live the Christian life? Because you're trying to live like the devil and be a Christian at the same time. Ouch. Sorry. The more we bring the world and the flesh and the devil into the church, the harder Christian life becomes. The more we get rid of the world, the flesh, and the devil, the easier the Christian life becomes. You know, the more you obey the Bible, the less appeal the world has. Trust me. <laughs> well, preacher, it's just so hard to be a Christian. Well, that's the exact opposite of what God said to us. God says in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse number 3, that there is a simplicity in Christ. If it's complicated to you, you must be listening to the devil and not God. I didn't say it. He did. Don't get mad at the mailman. Pay your own bills. God says that he doesn't want our minds corrupted by the devil, by sin, by evil, to keep us from the simplicity in Christ. <laughs> well, getting saved can't be that easy. Oh, yes, it is. Well, you just think the, the church and the Bible is just something magical. No, it's something spiritual. Amen. And it's something very simple and very basic and very easy. But when we get away from it, life gets very difficult. You see, the world in our sinful nature does not go away once we get saved. You don't get saved and your own sinful desires just leave. But when you get saved, you add a new nature to you. And then there is a battle. Do I listen to my old self and my lost self or do I listen and obey to the word of God? And I don't care who you are, whether you're the pastor of this church or this first time you walk through those doors as a lost person, the battle is the same for all of us. Now, listen to me very carefully here. <laughs> when you say the Christian life is hard, you're believing the lie of the devil. Because God says that he doesn't want us corrupted like Eve was by the devil and miss the simplicity in Christ. Living the life of drunkenness is hard. Somebody say amen. Oh, yeah. Okay. Living a life of uh, drugs and partying is hard. Living a life of gambling is hard. Uh, living the life of immorality is hard. Don't say anything. <laughs> I'll, I'll go so far as to say this. Living the life of sucking on cancer sticks called cigarettes and cigars and stuff is hard. Uh, living the life of wanting more things than you can pay for without being over your head in debt is hard. Living a life to try to make yourself happy all the time is hard. Amen. But may I say something? <laughs> Living the Christian life is a whole lot easier than that. Amen. Living the life of a Christian is so much easier. Amen. <laughs> I was helping someone recently. As I have more times than I can count. They happen to struggle with alcohol. I said, well, rule number one, if you don't buy it, you don't drink it. It's that simple. Yeah. <laughs> Unless you go to Loretta's and get it from her when she made it. But uh, <laughs> gotcha. Miss Kim said, don't, don't give it away. <laughs> as long as you tie it on. I know. Uh, now, wait a minute. Uh, for, it, it sounds so simple. You say, well, preacher, I, I just can't give up cigarettes. Yes, you can. It's real simple. Don't buy them. Amen. And every time you have a desire to suck one, open up your Bible, read for 15 minutes, bow your head and say, Lord, bless this cigarette to the nourishment of my body. You say, well, I, I couldn't do that, preacher. That's why you won't smoke again if you do. Right. You know, the devil hates this book so much, he'll even take sinful desires away from you. 
It's really not that hard. So, well, I just can't do it. No, you can't, but my Bible says greater he that's in you than he that's in the world. Amen. What you're saying is you don't want to obey God. Don't tell me it's hard. It's not hard. Did you know you won't smoke a cigarette if you never buy one? Did you know you won't drink alcohol if you never buy it? Everybody doing okay? Now hang on. <laughs> and you have the people that try to get around all the rules, amen? But let me say this, living the Christian life really isn't hard. It's very simple. Let me show you what I mean. First of all, God made it simple to get saved. Did you know getting saved is the easiest thing to do? Amen. Why would God, who wants everybody to be saved, make it hard for man to get saved? Uh, those of you that are parents, you'll understand it this way. You want your children to obey. Why would you make it hard for them to obey? Well, if God who wants us, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believed him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The very God that gave us that, why would he make it hard for us to get it? Man makes it hard, not God. Turn to 2 Peter chapter 3, verse number 9. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse number 9. The Bible says this, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise. As some men count slackness, watch this, but is it long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Now, Brother James, I'm not real smart. No comments, please. <laughs> but I'm smart enough to know this. If God wants all people to get saved, then he didn't have to make it very hard. Because there's those people out there that are less smart than you and me. Can I tell you something? God made it. If he made it for everybody to be able to do it, it can't be that hard. God is not willing that any, even Nancy Pelosi, Oh, that's hard to believe. God has a whole lot more love than I have. Now, wait a minute. God is not willing that any should perish. So if God, who's not willing that any should perish, why would he make it hard for somebody to get there? Amen. You see, man with religion wants to make it hard. Man says, well, I want to be my own God. You say, why do you say that, preacher? Because back in the book of Genesis chapter 3, when man sinned, the devil came to man and said, Eve, look at, the, look at the fruit. Adam, look at the fruit. It could make you wise unto salvation. You could be as gods, knowing good and evil. You could be your own God. You could decide good and evil yourself. You won't need God because you would be your own God. And man has tried to be his own God ever since the Garden of Eden. Religion is man telling God how God has to accept what man does. Christianity is God said, thus saith the Lord, receive it and you're saved. I don't care what name you put on it. All religion is one of two things. Either he did it all and you accept it, or you do it all and die and go to hell. I don't care what name you put on it. You see, that's why man thinks you can buy candles and light candles and get somebody out of hell or purgatory faster. That's why man thinks you can get baptized and get your sins washed away. No, you'll come out a little cleaner, but you're not going to get your sins washed away. Well, man thinks if you take classes and learn about the church and learn the doctrines and learn a few things, and they call it, what do they call that thing? In the, yeah, catechism or something like that. I don't know. 
that you can then be a member and you can get to heaven faster. Man thinks if you live a certain lifestyle, that that lifestyle will allow you the righteousness necessary to get to heaven. Some people think you've got to observe Lent. My wife takes the lint out of the dryer every, every time she washes laundry. <laughs> Man thinks traditions, ceremonies. You know, dominoes, dominoes, who's got the... Oh, anyway, uh, and all those other things. Uh, we think that if we... And I'm, I'm trying to be light on purpose, but y'all know what I'm talking about. Man thinks you can pray through saints, pray through the Pope, the priest, even pray through Mary because she's the mother of Jesus and Jesus would have to listen to his mother. That's putting Mary above God. Mary was never known as the mother of God. As I taught in the book of Romans in one of our first Bible studies on Wednesday night on the book of Romans, the miracle of the virgin birth is not about the virgin, it's about the father. Any woman could have been a virgin. It took a special father to be able to impregnate a virgin without a physical relationship. It was a supernatural impregnation from the father, not through the mother. The miracle was not the virgin. It was the father. Uh, There are those that say, well, you have to turn from all your sins or you can't be saved. You have to make Jesus Lord of your life. What does that even mean? Can I tell you something? He was Lord whether he's Lord of your life or not. Lord of lords, king of kings. God gives us a gospel that he lived and paid for. And all we must do to get to heaven is accept what he did. Take your Bible and turn to Romans chapter 10. Back to the left about uh, 30 pages or so. Romans chapter 10. Let me show you what I mean here. We do not get saved by our righteousness. As it is written, there is none righteous. No, not one. There's only ever been one righteous one. Jesus, the righteous. It was his righteousness that gives us eternal salvation, not our righteousness. Let me show you what I mean. Romans chapter 10, look at verse number 1. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they, being ignorant of whose righteousness? God's righteousness. And going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law of righteousness to everyone that getteth baptized, to everyone that lives a good life, to everyone that lights candles, to everybody gets uh, joins the church. To everybody that uh, turns from all their sin? No, to everyone that believeth. Oh. So we get his righteousness by belief in the gospel. Going about to establish their own righteousness. Salvation. We say, well, you have to repent from your sins. Do you know what the word repent means? It's a military term. If you were marching, some of you men were in the military. You start marching, they'll say, Halt. Often, in, especially in the older days, they would say repent. That means turn and go back the way you came from. It is a term that means to turn from. Here's what God says repentance is. Well, John preached a doctrine of repentance, so did Jesus. Can I tell you what the doctrine of repentance is? You're going about to establish your own righteousness. One day you realize you're a sinner on your way to hell and you can't pay your own sin debt. 
and that Jesus came and paid your sin debt for you and you turn from trusting your own righteousness to trusting the righteousness of Jesus Christ to get you to heaven. The moment you turn from leaving your own righteousness to submit to his righteousness, that is repentance. It is not turning from your sin. It is turning from your own righteousness to submit to the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That is salvation. If you don't believe that, look down later in that chapter, verse number 9. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be what? Does it say anything about baptism there? Does it say anything about church membership? Does it say anything about the saints? Does it say anything about Mary? Does it say anything about the Pope? Does it say anything about traditions? Say anything about repentance as far as turning from sin? No, it says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. With the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth in him shall not be ashamed. There is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall what? Call upon the name of the Lord. Might be saved? Could be saved? Shall be saved until you do something wrong? No, shall be saved. That means once it's done, it's done for eternity. It doesn't say anything about baptism. Doesn't say anything about man's religious ways. It is a matter of you coming to the knowledge that you are unrighteous, you are a sinner. Because of that, there is a penalty on sin, which is death in hell. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Now watch this. The moment you realize you can't pay it on your own that Jesus did, and you say, okay, I'm tired of paying the price myself. I'll trust what God says to get me to heaven. At that moment, you get saved. And it wasn't done by you. It's done by him. You just have to be willing to call out to him. Now, listen to me very carefully here. Some of my critics and our critics would say, well, that's just easy believism. I've been criticized for that for 50 years. That's just easy believism. Well, show me hard believism in the Bible. Show me in the Bible where it says it's hard to believe. Well, it can't be that easy, preacher. Knowing the simplicity in Christ. Mark chapter 1, verse number 15, don't turn there. The Bible says this, repent and believe the gospel. Turn from believing something else to believe the gospel of Jesus Christ. Romans 1, 16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it, what's it? The gospel is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. Matthew chapter 18 Turn to Matthew chapter 18. Can I show you how wonderful the gospel really is? I'm about to shout. Matter of fact, I think I'm going to come unscrewed in a second. Matthew chapter 18, verse number 1. The Bible says this. At the same time came the disciples unto Jesus, saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Jesus called a little child unto him. Set him in the midst. And said, Verily I say unto you, except you be converted and come as little children, you shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Brother James, a long time ago, over 50 years ago, young family, Mom, a dad, and two boys went to church, Canton Baptist Temple in Canton, Ohio. Dad had gotten saved. Mama had been saved. My aunt actually led her to the Lord before my dad and mom were married. A four-year-old boy went to Sunday school, went to beginner church, junior church. 
You have to understand, this is 1971, 1972. The Vietnam War was still going on. One-legged man got up. He literally had a pig for, I mean, like Captain Hook. Scared the bejeebers out of me. He got up and preached on hell. How that if boys and girls who died without getting saved were going to die and go to a place called hell. I don't remember everything else he said, but I do remember this. God said, you don't want to go there. And I knew how bad of a boy I was. No comments, please. I remember, <laughs> shut up. I remember walking over to my Sunday school teacher when he had everybody bow their heads and we wanted to get saved. And I walked over to my Sunday school teacher and I tugged on her dress and I said, I don't want to die and go to a place called hell. That Sunday school teacher knelt with me. A little kindergartner-sized chair. Showed me how to get saved. Brother Scott, I bowed my head and trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior. Amen. Oh, my soul. See, I don't believe children can get saved. Well, I've been saved for 52 years. And I'm just as saved today as I was then. Amen. How do you get saved? Like the faith of a child. Yes. Well, you didn't understand everything. Come back tonight, I'll talk about that. I didn't have to understand to obey. Amen. I just had to do what he said. Amen. That Sunday school teacher, I couldn't tell you what her name is. I thought she was an old lady. She's probably 30. <laughs> I have no idea. I have no idea. I, I do not know her name. Wouldn't, But I know this. Brother Harry, one day when I get to heaven, God's going to say, Craig, come here. You know who that is? She has no idea, Brother Greg, the hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people that have been saved because of her. The millions of people that have been talked to and helped. Because she took time one day, talked to a little kid in Sunday school, and lead him to Jesus. How simple is it? Simple enough for a four-year-old to understand. Amen. It can't be very hard. God said, the disciples said, who, are, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven, Jesus? And he pulled up a little child. He didn't just say a child. He said a little child. Yeah. That's how easy it is to get saved. Amen. Number next. First of all, God made it simple to get saved. Second of all, God made it simple to obey the Bible. Oh, preacher, living the Christian life so hard. That's exactly opposite of what God said. Because he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse number 3, that there is a simplicity in Christ. My Bible says in John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, the same was in the beginning with God. Verse 14, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glories of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth, and Jesus Christ is the Word of God. Amen. You go to the book of Revelation, it says, written on His vesture is His name, the Word of God. Amen. Hmm. That means this, if there is a simplicity in Christ. There's a simplicity in the word of God. Amen. Let's quit making it complicated. Let's just do what it says. Now, I'm going to make a statement that might startle you. Obedience requires no thinking. Brother Franz, you're a Marine First, first thing you learn as a Marine, you don't think, you just do. We'll tell you what to think, you just do what we say. Why? 
Because obedience requires no thinking. If you stop to think about whether you will obey or not, you just disobeyed. The Bible calls that being a scorner. Now, I'm going to teach you something here. Well, you've been given a command. You're in the Marine Corps, in boot camp. And you look at the drill instructor and say, well, I'm going to think about this before I obey. <laughs> I don't understand what, why I have to do this. In the words of that famous Marine, Gomer Pio, dumb, dumb, dumb. Amen, Brother Harry? You're not going to stand there and say, but I don't understand. You're not paid to understand. You're to obey. Let me help you obey. Can I tell you something? Obedience requires no thinking. When you want understanding before you obey, you have no obedience. Now listen to me very carefully here. <laughs> 2 Peter chapter 1, verse number 20 says this, that the scriptures are of no private interpretation. Well, preacher, as I see it, don't give a flip how you say it, see it, how did God say it? Amen. Well, preacher, my opinion is, don't ask for your opinion, I want God's. Well, I know so-and-so and so-and-so -so says, don't care what so-and-so says, what does God say? Well, I, I just don't feel convicted about it. Don't care whether you're convicted or not. What does God say? Let God be true and every man a liar, the Bible says. See, we'd rather be the one who's the authority on truth. No, God is. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. He didn't say anything in there that you're supposed to understand before you obey. You trust, you obey, and understanding follows. Understanding is a byproduct of obedience. It's not an ingredient to obedience. We in our own minds, we in the magnification, the glorification, and us making God out of our mind, we think we must understand before we obey. Just like a drill instructor, you don't have to understand, just do it. Why do I have to dig this hole? Because they told you. After I get it dug, how come I have to fill it back up? Because they told you to. After I fill it back up, how come I have to dig it again? Because they told you to. Well, that doesn't make sense. Doesn't have to make sense. You just obey. Amen. Well, I think this is stupid. They don't care whether you think it's stupid. <laughs> how about we quit playing God? Thinking that we have to understand before we obey. Well, once somebody gets saved, they need to go through classes before they get baptized so they truly understand what they're about to do. No, God says the first step of obedience after you get saved is to get baptized. Amen. Right. And we ought to join the church. So, well, I don't understand it all. Just obey it, and then the understanding comes. I'm not mad at anybody. But why do we complicate it? If a four-year-old can understand it, I guess maybe we adults could. Obedience will bring understanding. Listen to this statement. Understanding doesn't always bring obedience. But obedience will always bring understanding. I didn't always understand when I first learned to drive why there were certain things I had to do. But I now, after driving millions of miles, understand some of the things I was supposed to do. Some of you learned it the hard way. Some of you learned there is a reason there are speed limits there because it costs you a lot of money if you don't follow it. It's not a strong suggestion. It's the law. Good try, Beth. Well, I'm just 
paying somebody else's wages. Yes, you are. We're not supposed to add our opinion to the, to the word of God. It's not ours to add. By the way, we're not supposed to teach the Bible from a historical or a generational point of view. Did you know that the word of God is a, as applicable today as the day it was written two, three, four, five thousand years ago? Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. And Jesus is the word of God. So the word of God is the same today as it was yesterday and in the past. Hmm. God didn't change his mind just because you didn't want to obey it. Same old illustration. I used to have to take the trash out. No kid in the world, and by the way, we had the trash cans that didn't have the fancy wheels and you know the lids and everything. If we did have a lid, we ruined it playing cowboys and Indians or smear the something or other. And uh, <laughs> I don't think we, the only time we ever saw a trash can lid, it didn't last very long. So all that trash is sitting in that old aluminum or stainless trash can and it's 100 degrees out getting stinky. There's worms and maggots and flies and yeah, and since I was the youngest, you get to take trash out. Well, Dad, I don't understand why I have to take the trash out. Well, he he would say it this way, son, you don't have to, but you're going to get whipped and then you're going to have to. Or you could do it without the whipping. You choose with or without. I don't care if you understand. But you're going to do it anyway. Hmm. I wasn't real bright, but I was a quick learner. Sure made sense not to get whipped to do it because I'm going to do it either way. Why take the whipping? Just get it over with. Now, you can't hold your nose and drag it with one hand because it's too heavy. But I got through it. Did you know what? Every day since I've been an adult, and every week of my life since I've been an adult, i got to take trash out. Hmm. I got the understanding later. Had to have the obedience first. By the way, anybody that's ever been involved in special forces or special forces training knows this. A lot of guys wash out because most of special forces is mental, not physical. Your body can do whatever they ask it to do. You just have to let your mind not overtake you saying that you can't do it. Did you know those instructors are not there to kill you? They're to make you. Well, I just can't. I just can't. I just. Yes, you can. Everybody else has done it. Everybody else has lived through it. If we would just trust the instructor and do what they say, you can do it. You have to tell your mind. I'm not going to listen to what I'm thinking right now. Can I tell you something? We don't need a new Bible. We just need to obey the old one. Number three, and I'll finish quickly. So first of all, it's simple to get saved. Second of all, it's simple to obey the Bible. Number three, it's simple to tell others about Jesus. It's simple to tell others about Jesus. I'm a grandpa. Actually, I'm a pawpaw now. I love it. My daughter and son-in-law bought me a shirt. said, best pawpaw ever. I love it. I wear it every night around the house. Now, wait a minute. (laughs) See pictures of my grandkid? I can show them to you. Say why? I love him. He's a cute little guy. He's ornery. He's going to pay his mom and daddy back, and I'm going to make sure he does. <laughs> Say, preacher, you wouldn't? Yes, I would. he got a little bit of my genetics in him already, trust me. Mm-hmm. Paybacks come in bunches, amen? You know, it's not hard for me to talk about little Hudson. Say, why? That's my grandson. We love him. Now, he doesn't know it yet. Every once in a while, he'll smile at me or he's got real bad gas or something. I don't know. 
I ain't never smiled to having gas, I promise you. <laughs> you teenagers, you don't smile either until somebody else lets loose the gas. But <laughs> now, uh, <laughs> Hitting right down where we live, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Can I tell you something? Every one of you grandparents, you know what I'm talking about. It's not hard to talk about your grandkids. You new parents with little babies, it's not hard to talk about them. Can I tell you something? It's not hard to talk about somebody you love. Amen. I love my wife. Mm-hmm. Not hard for me to talk about her in a good way. <laughs> Did you know God would never give you something to do that he didn't give you the wherewithal to do it with? God's never given you a command in the word of God that you could not obey. He's given you everything necessary to obey everything in that book. So in Mark chapter 16, verse number 15, the Bible says, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That means we're supposed to give the gospel everywhere we go. That means our church will support missionaries who actually get the gospel to people. Not just food in their belly, not just a shot in the arm, not just a social place or a roof over the head. They're actually going to give people the gospel. Thank God for a man like Kevin Wynn who will have 118,000 and some people saved in one month in Mexico City. Baptized three, four, five thousand people every month. Now thank God for a man like Kevin Wynn. Thank God for Brother Baxter over in uh, South Sudan right now, tearing it up. Brother Jackson going to India. You watch when they get there, look out, it's coming. They're going to do it. Now say, what is that? We're trying to help get the gospel to every creature, but that doesn't mean you give all your money to missions and sit on your blessed do nothing and don't tell anybody here. Can I tell you how powerful the gospel is? Watch this. One lady, a deacon's wife, more spiritual than her husband. No, I mean, uh, she, every time she goes to the gas station, she puts gospel tracks on every gas pump. There's a man sitting there who's come to church for the last three or four weeks because found a gospel track on a gas pump. Look what happens when you get the gospel to every creature. Say, preacher, it doesn't work that way. Well, tell him that. I'm not lying. Acts chapter 1, verse number 8, the last words of Jesus Christ before he left this earth, after he had resurrected from the dead. But ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the uttermost part of the earth. That moment he left and went to heaven. The disciples are standing there watching as he goes up and the angels came and said, why stand you here gazing? What are you doing standing around? Go do what he told you to do. You know, it's not hard to hand somebody a gospel track and tell them, hey, read this. It'll show you how you can know you're going to heaven someday. And if they want to stand there and talk, you can read the back of it to them, show them how to get saved and have them get saved. Amen. Well, preacher, I don't know what to say. Just read the back of it. That's not real hard. Why would God make it hard? Now, when I go out knocking on doors, my first thought is the same as yours. Man, I hope they're not home. <laughs> See, preacher, you don't think that. Yes, I do. And I've knocked on millions of doors. Say, why? I'm a sinner just like you are. But all of a sudden, I hear that coming across the floor and I go and that door opens up and I know what the first few words out of my mouth are going to be every time I have that track in my hand and I'll say I'm Pastor Bush from Grace Baptist Church in Kearney we're going through the area <clears throat> you all get to go to church somewhere regular and something happens God flips a switch inside of me and turns me inside out and I have absolutely no fear from that moment on. It's like sick him to a bulldog. It's like a blind dog in a meat house. Everywhere. 
Say, why is that? Because it's just so simple. It's just so simple. It's not hard to hand somebody a gospel track. It's not hard to invite somebody to come to church. It's not hard to ask somebody, do you know for sure you're going to heaven? And if you don't know how to do it, amen, Brother Bob, say, preacher, come with me. Walked into a guy's room, just about died, been paralyzed. Friend of Brother Bob's, you know, Brother Bob's one of those real tender, gentle people. <laughs> he looked at the guy and said, buddy, do you know for sure you're saved? He said, well, I kind of think, you know, that's not good enough. You're, you're going your way to hell. Now, preacher, tell him how to get saved. Bobby, did I say it just as you did? With a few less words. <laughs> now, wait a minute. Did you know what? That man listened to the gospel, bowed his head and trusted Jesus Christ as a Savior. Then his wife got saved. His niece got saved. A couple other folks got saved. Why? Because somebody cared about somebody. I'll take that. So would God. Huh. You don't need a special calling. Well, I don't feel called to be a soul winner. You don't need called when you've been commissioned. <laughs> My buddy, Brother Jim over here, 91 years old, Korean War vet. There's three people sitting back there because Brother Jim. He's brought caretakers to church and watched them get saved. Now, he doesn't go out knocking on doors, but I promise you this. I don't know that I have a better cheerleader than Brother Jim Borer. Thank you, oh, thank you. Thank you. Can I tell you something? Why? Because he's obeying the best he can. Amen. Besides, his wife come back and slap him upside the head if he didn't. <laughs> now, I'm done. Listen to this statement. Let's not get caught up into the devil's trap thinking it's hard. It's not. There is a simplicity to being saved. There's a simplicity in the Christian life. There's a simplicity in the gospel. There's a simplicity in obedience to the Bible. There is simplicity in telling others about Jesus. It's really not that hard. Don't believe the devil. We make it hard. He didn't. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I'm done. We're all sinners. We all face that fear. I wonder who would say, Preacher, if I died today, I'm sure. I know for sure I'm going to heaven when I die. Would you raise your hand? You may put your hands down. Who would say, Preacher, if I died today, I don't know for sure. I've never trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior, but I'd like to. Would you raise your hand? All right. Who'd say, preacher, somewhere in that sermon, something I personally needed today. Would you raise your hand? Oh, my soul. Many, 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 many hands. You may put them down. It's real simple. If you're physically able, I think if you just raised your hand, maybe you ought to come to an old-fashioned altar and kneel and ask God to help you. Just obey the simple things.